This should be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two underway right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. I especially mean Lake Charles today because we're out here at the This Is Home Festival Live and in living color here on the intersection of Ryan and Kirby Street. I'm like staring right in front of the courthouse to the left of me. We've got the hometown stage where a lot of hometown bands are going to start playing at 11 right after I sign off. Thank goodness, because sometimes when the noise gets a little too loud, maybe it gets a little, I get drowned out. And honestly, I can talk loud. Maybe not loud enough to overpower those speakers over there. I would hope. Or the speakers over there at the main stage. Definitely a wonderful time here. And if you want to come out, I highly recommend you do so. We've got koozies. We've got T-shirts. And more importantly, I've got downtown rising tickets after I sign off here. Get over here. We'll play two out of three rock, paper, scissors for those tickets. So let's get after it here in hour number two. I've got head coach Gary Goff joining the program in about ten minutes or so. Maybe we'll get my guy JG to kind of tag team that one with me. We'll have Chris Gordy on at 10.30. But right about now, I want to kind of lay out, talk about some New Orleans Saints stuff. Because honestly, the schedule's out. Jarvis Landry, the juice, is back in the boot. And you absolutely love it. All is right in the world. The Honey Badger's back in town. And it's definitely going to be a fun season for the Saints in 2022. It feels like they're pushing all their chips to the front of the table to be back into playoff contention number one, but making a push for a Super Bowl, which would be a great story. But it's interesting because there aren't a whole lot of games outside of the 12 noon kickoff these days. It's great because, honestly, it feels like all is right in the world. Because it's been for too long the Saints have been playing a lot of those 325, a lot more primetime games. They have those primetime games, yes. You have, I think, one or two 325 games. You deal with London, which is, is what it is. I'm tired of complaining about that because the NFL is never going to get rid of it. What is it? The London game? Yeah, but what is it? You say it is what it is, but what is it? Is it, it a is. waste? Isn't it a waste? Yes, it's a waste of gas, I'll tell you that much. Thank you. And the fact you don't have a bye week after week no, four. terrible. That's the most, like, BS thing of it all. But that's besides the point. I love the noon kick. As much as I love NFL Red Zone on a Sunday – and having some of those 325 games the last couple of years has helped me really enjoy and embrace it. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, after the first couple weeks, red zone at 3 o'clock is like a dead space. But after, Yeah, it's a lot of bad football. But here's the thing. Well, not not just that. It's just not as many games well, to kind of go three, around. Sometimes you only get three games. and Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy the rest of my Sunday, which I absolutely like. I like the fact we get more of these noon games. I think it's also the fact that the NFC South outside of – the Bucks and the Saints, it's pretty bad because you got 
Sam Darnold and Marcus Mariota, are they really the leaders in the clubhouse? Well, you also got a league now that we've got Amazon. Yeah. We've got we, we have divided to conquer so many different platforms that games are gonna be all over the place. Yep. That every Sunday game it seems like is gonna be almost noon because everything else is off to somebody else. Exactly. And I'm not I don't know about Amazon. I don't know about all these places. You don't even I'm know how to get on them. Get off my lawn. You don't even know how to get on them sometimes. I, I have some issues. You yes, told me the Apple issue issues. the other day. Yes, yeah. Or last night, I should say. There are some Apple issues, and I, I'm sure I will have Amazon problems. <laughs> I will we'll all have problems so. with it. Trust me. I, what I don't get it. Okay, you're, 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 you're in love with the Saints right now. Yes. Like, there's a lot of positivity to be had. You, have, you had a great draft, and you wound up making some big moves. And, yes, big moves for the Saints have always been kind of fool's gold. But I think I'm much more buying this because of the reputation. Are you buying it because they're LSU guys coming back? Yes, and. And the fact that they have been productive in a lot of places. It's not like, let's say, say hypothetically, Brandon Brown were part of LSU. And we saw him come back. I'm like, like not necessarily sure I'd like that. I'll give you you Landry looks good. I don't, I'm not. Hopefully Landry's Landry's healthy. That's the big thing. The honey badger isn't to me what. He used to be so. No, but I think at the same time, he know Jarvis Landry's. A he's good aware pick. of that. I mean, he. It was ten years ago. He got kicked out of LSU. Yes, he did. Everything is just like it's setting up for a potential where everybody's going to start pushing their chips to the front of the table, and the the, like, the Saints are aware that they're trying to do what the Rams did, because that's the way it feels like the NFL is going. Well, it, be it's more by super now. Teams. It's by now. It's by now. Super team. Max out. Worry about the worry about the cap tomorrow. And if you're Mickey Loomis, you don't have to worry about the cap because you managed to like be a magician every single the cap, offseason. The cap is the most meaningless thing talked about in sports. The cap is like it, the cap is like cryptocurrency. Nobody knows how it works. It doesn't exist after the first <laughs> week of you know. You end up with the same ten guys and you renegotiate their contracts. Yeah. And you kick the cap down the road until let's face it, somebody else's problem. <laughs> you're you're out the door to somebody else's problem, basically. And, you know, I want to get to the Saints' schedule. I'll go game by game here. I'll, I'll kind of do it quickly because, again, we'll have Heath – Heath Troy, listen to me. Heath Troy hooked me up with Gary Goff, McNeese football head coach. We'll have him on in about 10 minutes. But I want to get to the Saints' schedule real quick. And I'm going to just go ahead and say my predictions are almost solely predictions. based Predictions? Yeah. My predictions are based off the hypothetical that AK-41, Alvin Kamara, is indeed playing. We don't know how long Whoa. he's – We don't know how long he's going to be out for, right? Or we, when. Or when. Exactly. Which like, games? Like, we don't know. Like, I think the suspension, we can agree that it's probably going to be eight games, right? That's six the way. Eight, I would guess six to eight games. That's where the wheel of punishment kind of likes to land on these kind of things. The NFL, because the NFL doesn't have a set regimen for punishments. They just basically play it like it's wheel of fortune, just spin the wheel. Well, I, the I, think, I think it'll be either eight to ten and then reduced to six to eight, depending on what it's. Yeah, I mean, and we they all get reduced anyway. Well, that we still don't know what the final verdict is on all this. And without still, the like, video, yeah, with the, yeah, as long exactly. as the video doesn't come out, you can. I think I think he could still play. Yes, like, I mean, we had last year. Uh, it was Marshawn Lattimore where he had got got arrested, and yes. nothing ever happened to him. As long as there's no video, uh, as long as there's no video, you're correct. <laughs> but anyways, I want to get to it. So let's go ahead and get into my predictions for the Saints game by game. Week one to go on the road to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Saints are one and eight when they open up the season against Atlanta, but I've got to think the Saints can open up the season one and zero against a pretty mediocre Atlanta Falcons team. Are you really going to put your 
shekels on Marcus Mariota and the Island of Misfit wide receivers, and then there's Drake London. No, they look like a four-win team. I'd say probably three or two-win team. Oh, that's how bad it. They're they're going to be tanking for a while. They're going to take out a lot I, of water. I mean, they gave up once they once they got rid of Matt Ryan and didn't draft a quarterback in this year's draft. Now, mind you, I don't blame them one bit for not drafting a quarterback because the quarterback class was bad, one of the worst I've seen. They look like the team most tanking right now. Most likely to tank. Most likely to tank. Uh, treating this like a yearbook. Yeah. Week two versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is always going to be a swing game with Tom Brady there. I think that the Saints can win here because at the end of the day, Saints have only lost one time since Tom Brady's been leading the Bucks, which is wild to think about. With everything yeah. you've been, they've dealt with, they beat they beat the Bucks without Jameis Winston in a nine nothing game. Like that's yeah, that's, that's, that's that was the impressive. wild. That's the craziest part of all. Of this. That was impressive. So I think Tampa Bay gets the win. Excuse me, the Saints get the win here, and, and it's gonna be a close one. I'm gonna. It's tough. I'm going with the Bucks winning here to drop to one and one. Then they play Carolina on the road week three. The fact they play three straight division games is uncharacteristic. It's weird, but I think the Saints can manage because of the fact they do have a weak division to feast on. <laughs> and I think they'll win because you got Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not that guy. I don't know why they didn't try and be part of the sweepstakes for somebody else, a veteran quarterback that could have done better than Darnold. I don't know why. Like, you couldn't have tried to get Teddy Bridgewater to come back. Like, tank. Tank like, two. Oh, tank two. Po- oh, it's a ta- and they've been tanking for years, to be honest, since Cam Newton just has, like fell apart. So I think the Saints win this game as long as half the coaching staff isn't out with COVID like they were in week two last year. Then we go over to foggy London town with the Minnesota Vikings. It's a proving year for Kirk Cousins. He's been god-awful for this team. And he's been wasting the talents of a former LSU Tiger and Justin Jefferson. I think the Saints get another win. They've, been, they've never lost when it comes to games in London. They're, they've never lost, which is wild to think They're about. undefeated across the pond? Yeah. So they come back to the States <laughs> with a 3-1 and record. And I mentioned that, that is a gambler's comment too, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you ideas in the month of May, especially because I'll just spoil this right now. Saints win total, hammer, hammer the over. I'll just say that right now. So I got them three and one, which in the history of the Saints since 2006, since Sean Payton started running things, three and one starts equal playoff runs. So I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that out there. I think the playoffs are definitely in the offing. This, I put these together the day the schedule was released, before the juice news. Now with the juice news, I think this changes everything, and it makes it even more of a possibility to get to the, to get to the number that I have. Week five, they're taking on the Seattle Seahawks. You talk about a rebuild mode? No. Definition of rebuild mode. You get rid of Russell Westbrook. This team is just – they're going to look like the Seattle Mariners. That's, yeah, it's about time. It's about time Pete Carroll takes off, doesn't it? Uh, uh, Pete Carroll. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires. Yeah. After w- the season, wins his title, team falls apart. He leaves town. Saints go four and one. Easy win here. Week six, Cincinnati Bengals. The fact this isn't in prime time boggles my mind. Number one. Number two, Joe Burrow. We talk about undefeated. He's undefeated. Has never lost in the Superdome at LSU. And I think that this to be more of the same with Jamar Chase in the house. 
a newly revamped offensive line, that Bengals team could definitely be a contender in the AFC. It's going to be a stacked AFC at that. Yes. But I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals get it done. Saints are 4-2 and two through six games, which is pretty respectable considering the fact you had next to no break between that London game, which is atrocious, if we're being honest. Now we get to the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Fired up. You're at Arizona week seven, and you're having to play this team. It's a brutal beat more because of the fact that Nuke is going to be back for week seven. That's going to be his first game back. Nuke Hopkins being back, that's going to help Kyler Murray get some weapons. It's a pivotal swing game, but I think the Saints are going to win in week seven, and they improved five and two. Week eight, Las Vegas Raiders, they are very much a wild card, and they're going to be coming from the Sin City to the Caesar Superdome. And I think the Raiders do lose. It's going to probably be a lopsided ball game in my book there. Week nine, Baltimore Ravens. Saints and Ravens are like oil and water. The Saints have only won twice against the Ravens ever, which is crazy to think about. It only took, the last time they did, it took an act of God of Justin Tucker missing a field goal. Like, that's what that's what it took for you to win that game. I'll lean on the Ravens heavily here, but it's going to be close. Week 10, Pittsburgh Steelers, the new leader of men in Kenny Pickett is oh, going to be the starter by this point. No. Like, really? No. You don't think, as somebody who's a Chicago native who watched Mitch Trubisky yes. play football, do you really think he's going to still going to be the starter come week 9, yes. week 10? I think he I think he will succeed where where Matt Nagy could not take him. Matt Nagy was the issue. I said it from day one. No, I, I agree. Matt Nagy was the issue. But I also think at this point, it's a lot like Sam Darnold. Can he be a good player in a New Jersey? I, I, I think in a, in, a, in a right is he Is he, basically, my thing is, is he already broken beyond that's, repair? That's the question. Is he broken? That, is, is he broken beyond repair? Because that's what's going on with yes. Sam Darnold. But I think the Saints win this one and prove to 7-3. and three, Very respectable. Heading into a game where the Rams return to the scene of the crime. How is this not a primetime game? Saints-Rams, week 11. And I think the Rams steal another one from us because they want us to continue to just feel nothing but pain when we think about Los Angeles. Last year, the Los Angeles Rams single-handedly cost the Saints a spot in the playoffs. Did they deserve to get in the playoffs? No. But at the same time, you had a chance to get into the playoffs, and the Rams screwed you And then you had to deal with the San Francisco 49ers. This is a brutal stretch. You've got the Rams, the 49ers, and the Buccos. Yeah. Three straight weeks you play them. 49ers, I got them losing here as well in a tough one, 7-5. Because I think, I think the 49ers are going to be a little bit better this year. And I think they have a, they're going to be a team that's going to, like, bug the hell out of you. Week 13, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Saints bounce back, headed to the bye week with a wave of momentum against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I think more likely than that, by that point, Brady's probably going to be on his last leg in week 13. The TB, he's going to be more, like, He's going to be more mailing it in and focusing in on that, like, $37 million a year deal to talk some great, like, football talk on the on Fox. Talker of words. Talk, speaker of words. Speaker of words. Speaker of words. Speaker of words. He's making $37.5 million a year for that. Before he, he even to something hangs he's up never his, done. Yeah, he, no, he's going to hang up the jersey, I think, after this year. Hang up the jersey now at $37 million. Well, he did that already, and then he didn't. Yeah, he did. But how about this? I, I, we're talking about this. Do you see Jim Rome, $30 million a year? 
Yeah. Second highest paid sportscaster. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. And by the way, you can hear Jim Rome here on the game. <laughs> 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, 11 to 2 weekdays right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So I'll just kind of go through week 15 through 18 real quick, then we'll take a timeout. Week 15, Atlanta Falcons, big W. It's really a must win because it's going to be a tough division to get into the playoffs if you don't win the crown in the NFC, in my mind. Cleveland Browns, week 16, Christmas Eve, definition of a wild card team. Is Deshaun Watson going to be playing? Is Baker still going to be part of the team? A lot of questions. I'll go Saints right here, right now. Talk to me closer to week, week 16. I'll probably flip my script. Week 17, the Eagles. 2023 starts off with a win for the Saints over an Eagles team that has done some good things, but I think by this point we'll be on the outside looking in and trying to play spoiler, but I don't think they will play spoiler. Last one, week 18, Carolina Panthers. Their sharp teeth and claws are going to be defanged, and they'll be so far in the tank it's not even funny. And the Saints win and end the season with a 12-5 record. Four swing games, I think the 49ers game, the two bucks contest, as always, and the Cleveland Browns, those are your swing games. On the schedule, 12-5, and five, it's an optimistic outlook. I think Dennis Allen leads the Saints team to a playoff berth. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to bring on head coach Gary Goff. Hopefully he's not catching the big one out on the boat. We'll talk to him about that and more right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're here in downtown Lake Charles. And before we get on head coach Gary Goff on the game hotline, I've got a special guest here. Jay Ecker, the head of the This Is Home Festival here in Ryan Street out in downtown Lake Charles. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a beautiful morning out here, and it feels wonderful. Oh, it is fantastic. Like, I was sweating like crazy just getting everything set up before before we went live at 9 o'clock. And since then, I've had the fans going at a decent pace, but it is really nice. The, the wind's blowing perfectly fine. It is beautiful. We're, out, we, we're based out of Lafayette, and yesterday it was just raining like crazy. So I was a little nervous about today, but well, the whole, the there, clouds have held out and it's fantastic the clouds are in the right spot we're in the right spot right here at the corner of ryan street and kirby in the middle of uh this is home fest it's perfect and it is the perfect spot for you to come check it out we're watching the stages uh get set up right now and they're about to crank up the music at 11 a.m perfect timing right after i get off air it's perfect you know, we moved a couple weeks ago from 10 to noon to 9 to 11 because if it was 11 o'clock we would have been just bombarded with well, sound that's right it's about to get loud up in here but we it, like it like that exactly and it's the second annual edition of this is home fest in downtown lake charles how does all come together and obviously i think this year's a year where it's gonna ramp up a lot compared to last year because the last year obviously uptick in the covid kind of well caused things to get you're like absolutely hurt. right and it did start last year because of uh of some of the after effects of covid you know um the organizers from other festivals that didn't happen got together and said, look, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana is ready. They want music, they want food, they want art, they want to be together in the living room of Southwest Louisiana, which is downtown, right where we're sitting right now. And so uh, 
we got a board together and we put together the first This Is Home Fest last yeah. October. We put it together in a month. And it That's was awesome. such a success. We scheduled uh, the annual event for each May. Uh, and we're twice as big this year and hoping to grow even more next exactly. year. Exactly. I was, I was talking with Jim earlier about the fact we have two stages. It looks to be absolutely fantastic to be out here with two stages. I could about imagine three isn't too far off in the offing, right? You're right. And when you see these stages, you're really going to appreciate the, uh, the care that's gone into this festival. This, this is top-notch uh, uh, professional stages yep. brought to us by Lake Charles Toyota. Um, Deep South Productions is doing our, our sound and just uh, it's professional in every way. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fantastic. And, Jay, I appreciate you coming on, my man, and I'm absolutely going to enjoy the heck out of this. Is Home Fest, the second annual edition. I'll be here after we sign off here, leading you into LSU baseball right here on the game. But appreciate you. Talk to you down the road. Hopefully next year we're back here in Lake Charles enjoying another This Is Home Fest. Thanks so much for having me on the game, and we'll see you at This Is Home Fest in downtown Lake Charles all day. All right. I appreciate it. Be, make sure to be out here all day long, and more importantly, make sure you come on out here after the show. I've got tickets to Downtown Rising. That's right, Downtown Rising, June 4th in downtown Lafayette. The biggest party of the summer in my mind. You've got Cold War kids. You heard them as we were coming back from break. Julian Primo, Andy Frasco in the U.N., Clay Cormier, the debtors, and some of the best DJs in the state of Louisiana spending music all day. So come on out here. Two out of three, rock, paper, scissors, you and me. And if you win... I think you will. I'm not too good at rock, paper, scissors. You get a pair of tickets to the biggest party this summer in downtown Lafayette. But now we go out to the game hotline. Talk with Gary Goff, McNeese football head coach. Gary, how's it going? Hey, Blanc, we got him? Uh, I'm not hearing him. Is Mono on on the board? On, do you have him potted up? Potted up? Um, okay, let's see. Is Mono on 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 the phone? Okay, I'm not. Okay, try calling him back because I'm not. I'm not hearing anything from him. All right, we're gonna go ahead and try again with Gary Golf. Looks like maybe maybe had him on hold a little bit too long. I'm gonna try again to get him aboard the program. I was able to hear everything perfectly fine. So looks like there may have been some technical issues there. But of course, we're right here. In Lake Charles, at downtown Lake Charles, for the This Is Home Festival. Again, music is going to be starting at 11 with the hometown stage. Probably about a football throw away from the beautiful Lake Charles Toyota stage where all the hometown bands are going to be playing. Amanda Shaw and Suzanne Santo are going to be starting up at noon. So definitely going to be a great time. A lot of the vendors are showing up. More and more people are coming by saying, hey. Got koozies, got T-shirts, all kinds of free swag for you to get in on. And, again, we're in Lake Charles, so we might as well talk some McNeese football. And to do that, we got to go out to the game hotline, bring on our good friend, Gary Goff, McNeese football head, McNeese football head coach. Gary, can you hear me or can I hear you? I think this is a more important question. Okay, let's um, I'm not hearing anything. Try, uh, try calling him back. Blah, like hang up and call him back because I'm not hearing anything right now. All right, you know, let, let's let's go ahead and take a quick timeout. 
we'll get Gary Goff on. We'll try and double down here. I'll get Gary Goff on for a few questions, and then we'll get on Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790, for a few minutes to talk about some Astros. We'll try and double up here and kind of catch up on time here. Right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. I'm enjoying myself out here at Lake Charles at the second annual This Is Home Festival. And since we're in Lake Charles, it feels appropriate, damn near apropos, to talk some McNeese Cowboys football with our good friend Gary Goff. He's on the game hotline. Gary, how's it going? I'm doing fine, fellas. How are y'all? I'm doing fantastic. First things first, let's kind of get into how it's been kind of coming over from your previous place of employment. You've taken over this program and really kind of started to put pedal to the metal when it comes to the recruiting trail. How's that been for you since taking over the program? Well, it, it's been good. I tell you what, we, we had a great week last week. Um, you know, we're, we're a neck deep in this transfer portal like everybody across the country is. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, but uh, we, we've got to be in that game right now to kind of uh, adjust our roster. But you know, we, we had 11 guys committed so far and uh, looking for four more to finish out the roster before uh, you know, the guys get back in June for summer school. But it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've got our work cut out for us, but uh, I'm really excited about the additions we've added to the roster right now. And, you know, Gary, one of the other questions that I have for you is going to be more towards what happens, what's happened with spring football. How is that going, and how are you kind of figuring out this roster as you kind of start to get ready for the summer and, more importantly, fall camp? Well, I tell you, um, you know, as we got through spring, we had 54 able bodies, and uh, so spring was a challenge. Uh, the last week and a half of spring, we had four defensive backs. We had two safeties and two corners. So we uh, we got creative, figured out how we could finish practice in spring and uh, scrimmage. Uh, nowhere near the tempo that you know I'm, I'm used to, but we had to kind of slow things way down so we didn't just kill those those uh, four DBs that that were healthy and could practice, but. Um, you know, we're encouraged. We're pretty excited. I mean, we've got some talent for sure. Um, you know, the, the culture of the team is starting to change. I mean, the guys want to win. They want to be great. Um, you know, we, we've set standards and expectations, and they're, uh, they've bought into those. And, you know, we're excited to get, get back to work with them this summer. I mean, um, you know, we'll have our first game, you know, is right around the corner, so the summer's going to fly by. Now, before I – let you go. I want to get you talked to me this morning. You said you're out there fishing. You're enjoying yourself, huh? <laughs> and, and you know, I, our guy Jim Gazzolo had him here with me for a good bit of the first hour. He asked me to ask you, did you catch the big one? Well, we haven't caught the big one yet. We, we we've caught quite a few, um, but no, nah, yeah. We this is the the first Saturday I've gone fishing in a long time, so I'm pretty excited to be out here. It's a beautiful day, but um, yeah, I think we brought in 26 uh, recruits over the last two and a half weeks, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to catch my breath for one day. <laughs> oh, exactly, and sometimes here in Sportsman's Paradise, you got to enjoy it. I'll let oh. you get back get back to the fishing, man. You go ahead and enjoy yourself. We'll talk to you down the road. Hopefully we talk to you before fall camp gets started up. No, absolutely. Hey, I appreciate what you all do for us, and hey, hey, go Cowboys. Go Pokes. Yes, indeed. Appreciate you joining the show. And it's always a good time talking with people 
who are in a much better position than yours truly. And he definitely is running things for the McNeese football program. We're going to bring on Chris Gordy in just a few moments talking about those Houston Astros. And they've been on absolute tear as of late. 11 straight wins after last night, beating the Washington Nationals 6-1. to Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve went yard. People, The Nationals fans were booing the you-know-what out of Jose Altuve. And here's the thing. Altuve very much, I think, is starting to thrive off of that noise. We hear coaches all the time say how they're trying to make him block out the noise, avoid the rat poison, all that stuff. Jose Altuve is fully embracing being the heel in certain areas, and that's what he is to Nationals fans, to Red Sox fans, definitely to Dodgers fans, and probably Yankees fans. He's going to play that role extremely well. We're going to try and get on – all right, looks like we got him aboard the hotline. We're going back to back like we're Jordan in 96, 97 with guests quite literally. So now we bring on the game hotline. Good friend, part of Sports Talk 790 and host of the Locked on SEC podcast. And that is Chris Gordy. Chris, how you doing, my brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Good to be on with you. It is great to be on with you on a Louisiana Saturday morning, especially here out in Lake Charles Beautiful day, and especially when the Astros are winners of 11 straight, trying to tie a franchise record 12 tonight. It's always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Had I known you were over there, I would have driven the two hours east over to see him like Charles. But, uh, no, it's, it's great to see the Astros keep winning the way they are. Uh, you know, the, the big storyline out of this win streak has just been the starting pitching. I mean, it has been nothing short of phenomenal. Trapper Valdez did it again last night. Uh, we got Justin Verlander literally in the driver's seat for the Cy Young Award right now. You've gotten uh, great starts on the Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy, and even Jake Odorizzi, who was shaky early in the year, has had some really good starts. So can't say enough about this pitching staff, about how dominant they've been, because you know I was uh, pointing out this past week how poor the batting average has been on this team, that they haven't been hitting as, as well as we think they should. But even these last handful of games, uh, the bats are starting to come around. They're starting to crush more home runs. And so that's a dangerous combo if you're getting stellar pitching and now the offense is starting to come around. Oh, the offense is just absolutely on a tear right now. We're seeing Jose Altuve, you know, Jordan Alvarez. Hell, even the rookie sensation, the phenom known as Jeremy Pena, making us feel a little bit better in the morning about getting rid of Carlos Correa, right? He is, and he's, he's in, you know, just like I said, uh, Verlander's in the driver's seat for the Cy Young Award. If the season ended right now, Jeremy Pena would win AL Rookie of the Year. The problem is, uh, in the game against Minnesota the other day, late in the game, he was sliding in the second and uh, tweaked his knee. And they're, they're saying he's day-to-day with knee soreness. Well, if you read between the lines, the Astros did just make a trade uh, just a few minutes ago, they sent uh, former LSU catcher Michael Papierski, yep. who's at AAA Sugarland. They traded him to uh, San Francisco for uh, a shortstop named uh, Mauricio Dubon. And so a lot of people are assuming them trading for Dubon means that Jeremy Pena is likely headed to the IL. And I've even seen some people estimating, you know, if it's a meniscus tear or something like that, he could miss two months. So... Not yeah. uh, not the greatest uh, rumors out there. We'll wait to see what the truth is when the when the official news comes out later today. But yeah, the writing is on the wall. The Astros are trading for a shortstop slash outfielder from the uh, 
San Francisco Giants, I would say not great news for Jeremy Pena right now. Talk right now, Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790. It's not I mean, Jeremy Pena, obviously, that's a big blow, but you brought up Justin Verlander. It feels like he has found the fountain of youth after that Tommy John surgery that kept him sidelined for a good while. 2022 has been amazing for him. Damn near had a no-hit bid broken up. I believe that was, what, Monday or Tuesday night? And he was, he's was he been on a tear every single time he's on the bump. Yeah, it's really unbelievable what we've seen out of JV. And, you know, I, I compared him you know, at the start of the season. I said, I'm expecting, you know, good things out of Justin Verlander. I didn't think he'd be this good, but... Man, nobody works harder than that guy. I put him in the category of Tom Brady and Tiger Woods just in terms of premier athletes that take care of their body and, and bust their butt to, to get back into shape. And you know, this was the first major significant injury in Justin Verlander's career, coming off of Tommy John surgery, 38-39. Um, you know, there, was no, there was no guarantee he was going to come back and be as you know, the dominant pitcher we've come to know him as, and it's almost like he's gotten better you know, since Tommy John. So pretty incredible stuff. I know he busted his butt all last year. Some people made it think about, why isn't he around the team? Why isn't he in the dugout with the team? And now we know why. He was literally putting in strenuous work day in and day out to get, his, get himself back from that Tommy John. And, man, that hard work has paid off because he looks phenomenal. It's been impressive to say the least, but looking at the rest of the team, obviously Jordan's been able to find his power swing. Jose Altuve, after a rough start, he's starting to kind of find it. I think that's one of the more important keys is to be able to get him as a back to his consistent ways because that beginning part, the first month or so, it wasn't necessarily all there for him. Yeah, it, it really is incredible. And, you know, when you look at what Altuve's done since he's come back uh, from – from that injury, I mean, he's been just absolutely red hot. You know, they're ten, they're eleven and zero now since he returned from the IL. Um, I don't have the numbers from last night com- uh, combined in here, but in those first, those ten games prior, he was hitting three thirty three with four home runs, six walks, and ten runs scored. So Altuve's looking more and more like himself. And you know, the crazy thing is, you know, I was diving into the numbers this week on the offense, and you know. We're going to take the COVID year out because that year the numbers were just yep. wonky everywhere. But we take that year out. Three of the last four seasons, the Astros have led baseball in batting average. This year, a couple of days ago, they were third to last. And even after the uh, the doubleheader on Thursday, they were still sixth to last in all of baseball in batting average. And I know batting average isn't everything. You know, when you account their, their slugging percentage is good. They're working a ton of walks this year. But I just found that interesting because I'm like, man, we're so used to the Astros being one of the best hitting teams of baseball. And, you know, they're six uh, coming into yesterday. They were six from the, uh, the bottom in Major League Baseball. But the good news is that's starting to come up. Altuve's starting to get closer to 300. Uh, and really, outside of your catcher spot, which you're getting a big fat nothing out of with Maldonado and Castro, at least we're starting to see some of those other guys averaging starting to creep up. And with Yuli hitting his first home run of the season last night, man, that would be really special if you get something out of him because – He's a guy who led led the AL in batting average a year ago, and this year he's been batting basically sub 200. So, yeah, man, if they could start clicking here, and Jordan keeps crushing home runs, and he's among the league leaders in home runs, uh, you know, you get that electric offense with the dominant pitching. I mean, they're going to be one of the best teams in baseball. And there's an absolute chance for that to actually happen when you just look at it, Chris, because everything that they've done so far has been stellar. You're in the middle of an 11 game win streak, going on 12. Hopefully tonight the game actually does happen because I know the weather out there is expected to be a little bit turbulent. 
come 6.05, which feels like I'm talking about games on the Superstation, not games that you can hear on our sister station, News Talk 98.5, when I say a 6.05 start time. But I think the question that I have is, this team continues to be on this tear. Like, What's the ceiling like for them if they continue to kind of just ramp up like they've been, where they start getting on these 11, 12-game tears? Well, I mean, if you look at how the schedule shapes up for them, I mean, they're in a stretch where they're playing a lot of, you know, mediocre teams like the Nationals, and then they go to Boston, who has really underachieved this year. Some people have higher expectations of the Red Sox, and they come home and they get the Rangers and the, the Guardians, who have been a little bit, you know, impressive, I think, right around 500. But then you head to Seattle and Oakland, teams that you should beat up on, the Royals. So the schedule is really, really friendly for the Astros these next couple of weeks. You know, you've already gotten Toronto out of the way. Uh, you'll see the Yankees down the road, but you know, just in terms of you know big time, good talent opponents, you're facing a lot of teams that are either mediocre or bottom tier in baseball. So all the Astros could do is just take care of business on their schedule, rack up a ton of wins, and you know who knows? Maybe they can start uh, getting uh, some separation from the Angels in the AL West, and you know put themselves in the driver's seat throughout the rest of the summer, where they you know they're just pulling away in the uh, AL West, and it won't even be a division race. A couple more questions here with Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790 right now on the game hotline. And I'll go ahead and flip it over on the Astros side one more time and talk about Mattress Smack. Dudes out there crossing state lines to Louisiana dropping a $4 million bet. The guy continually amazes me with what he's kind of throwing down on a regular basis. And the payout potentially if the Astros win the World Series on this four million dollar bet, is forty three million. The the man is the man is a legend, and probably is quickly becoming my gambling idol. Well, the first thing you got to know about Mac is nobody's a better businessman and marketing yep. guy than him. But he's also a guy who cares a lot about the city of Houston. You know, when Hurricane Harvey came, he he took in people, he donated furniture, he. Uh, you know, when there was a, a flood at, about a year or so ago, he let people come stay on his showroom and sleep on the mattresses on the showroom floor. Like, the guy really does care about the city. He's always raising money for Houstonians and all that. But I think he, he realized a while back, you know, when you start buying advertising on TV and radio and all that, you know, all you're getting is just in return, you're just getting, okay, we're, you know, we're getting commercials and we're getting stuff run. He's found that if he makes these big bets, you know, he makes the news every time he goes and makes a big bet. So, yep. uh, and on top of it, if he wins, man, he's, he's profiting even more. So, exactly, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting marketing technique that he's used. But what they don't talk about too is he also buys insurance on a lot of these bets. So, um, and he hedges a lot of them. So, yeah, he'll make the yeah. headline that he put four million on this team to win the Super Bowl, but. What they don't tell you is in the back end, I'll put another two million on the other team. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to do, man. You got you got to hedge your bets. He knows the art of gambling very, very well. One more before I let you go. Obviously, former LSU Tiger Derek Stingley Jr. out there signed with the Texans. He's he was part of minicamp yesterday. You're out there. You texted me about this last night. What have you seen from him, and how how impressed are you? What the Texans did with this draft class cuz after the aftermath of getting rid of Deshaun Watson it feels like this team is trying to build around Davis Mills and give him at least a fair shake right yeah and that's the key is they they think that they've got their guy in uh in Davis Mills and you know I I talk to some people all the time you know what's his ceiling and some people have said you know Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins you know 
guys who are like serviceable, pretty good quarterbacks. They're not elite, but they can get the job done if they're surrounded by elite level talent. And I think that's what the Texans are looking at. You know, with, with the whole Deshaun Watson debacle, they took a flyer on Mills in the third round. They like him. They think he can be a pretty good quarterback. But as you know, I host the Lockdown SEC podcast, and uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe Nick Casario was listening to my podcast because they were <laughs> heavy, heavy in SEC guys. And so yesterday, to be at Texans rookie minicamp and see a lot of these SEC guys in person, guys that I've interviewed throughout the years, um, Derek Stingley Jr. looks good. I mean, he, the foot looks good. I was told his list Frank surgery went great. He's at 100%. He's ready to go. So good to see him out there. Uh, Austin Deculus, former LSU Tiger, he was out there. Uh, and a couple of the Alabama guys, John Mechie, he's still rehabbing from his ACL tear, but he says he thinks he's going to be ready to go by the start of the season. And um, and a couple other guys that they have in there, too. Christian Harris, a Baton Rouge native who went to Alabama, linebacker. So I like this rookie group, and we'll see who can make an impact. But, yeah, I think Stingley, I, I think you can get a flyer on him right now, plus 1,200 to win defensive rookie of the year. I think that's worth a, a pretty good bet to make some money because I think Stingley's going to be really good this year. If he winds up a 4-5, six interceptions, maybe a pick six, good bet. Well, I might be making a trip over to the local casino here in Lake Charles now that you told me that. Plus 1,200. I'll go ahead and do that. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Sure thing, Clay. Thanks, man. All right, Chris Gordy going to take a quick time out. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. One final take. And then we take you to LSU baseball right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back after this. Welcome back to Under the Dome. One final take before we get out of here and take you to LSU baseball. Game one, Ole Miss, going to be resumed in just a few moments. Appreciate everybody from This Is Home Fest for accommodating us here out in Lake Charles, the intersection of Ryan Street and Kirby Street. So come on out here. I've got tickets to Downtown Rising for you. Play me in two out of three, you get a pair of tickets. Two out of three of rock, paper, scissors, you get it. But here's the last take before I shut off my mic and start tearing down here and let the music start playing here in Lake Charles, because it is loud as all get out. Last take involves the NBA. We'll end it here. I think we can all agree that the process that the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers have trusted over the last several years has failed. You have Joel Embiid. He talked about it for years, trusting the process. You draft Ben Simmons. It was a good idea at the time. You've gotten into the playoffs. you made runs. But you haven't been able to kind of get past a certain level certain plateau you've plateaued and you decide to go get James Harden or James Larden more like it the guy is washed up the Philadelphia 76ers are one of the most washed up teams in the league and I think we can all agree that in 2022 the process has failed it's time to burn it all down and build again again thanks to everybody here Thanks to our guy Matt Romagosa for hooking us up with a table in the tent and the backdrop. Thanks to Jim Gazzolo, Heath Troyer for hooking me up with Gary Goff, Chris Gordy, Blanc on the board, and I'm out of here. Go enjoy the rest of your Saturday. We got an LSU doubleheader right here on the game. We're resuming the third inning of game one of LSU Ole Miss. Game two will be 50 minutes after that. 
And then we got Astros baseball on News Talk 98.5. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll be back live in studio next week. So until then, take it easy. I'm going to enjoy myself and see what's for lunch. Peace out, everybody.